Quest, where two college professors take a second look at questions and answers from around the internet and from you, the listener. My name is Professor Mark Sheriff, and I am by myself this week, just like two weeks ago. It has just been a crazy time at UVA these past few weeks. It's advising season. Students are coming by to meet with us to find out what courses they want to sign up for for the next semester. And wow, that takes a lot of time. And so it's just been kind of rough for for both of us. So another week, not another full episode. So sorry for everyone out there that was looking forward to that. But I've got something that I wanted to talk about this week. And it's something that's near and dear to my heart. There are new MacBooks. Oh my gosh. I am such an Apple fanboy. I've got my iPhone, my iPad, my AirPods, my MacBook. And I'm recording this on a Windows machine. But you know what? <laughs> that's okay. I love my MacBook. I've always loved the Macs. Um, I, I actually didn't have a Mac back when it was the power PC Mac. That was quite a long time ago before they switched over to the Intel chips, the Intel x86, x86, uh, Intel x86 architecture. And that is exactly what I want to talk about today. If you are a person who is interested in a laptop, you might've noticed that Apple is very excited to talk about their new M1 chips. These are the new processors that are going in the new MacBook started with uh, there was a set of M1 chips just at the re previous refresh of MacBooks and now the new MacBook Pros that were just shown now um, there's other interesting things about the MacBook Pros that came out now they've actually added some ports back they put an HDMI port in there um, recognizing that some people kind of like to not have 7,000 dongles in their bag when they went to go and show something to uh, other people in a in a conference room we also have the notch in our MacBooks, uh, much like our iPhone 10. Starting with there, we had that little cut out the top for the camera. That's a whole other conversation. But what I want to talk about now is specifically these chips. Why does this matter? Why is this something that's interesting? You know, does it affect you? For most people, it really doesn't affect you all that much. Um, we've gotten to the point now where software, when people are building software, they're making sure they're building it for all the different platforms. But it's important, I think, interesting at least, to understand what the difference is. So, imagine that you had two languages. And we don't even have to think about it as as computer languages or anything like that. But let's say you had you know, two languages and you did not speak either of those two languages and you needed someone to do interpreting for you in order for whatever it is you're trying to tell someone in that other language, you know, what, what you're all about. So, um, you, you would find an, a good interpreter and maybe that interpreter would be, you know, really good and could do, uh, your words right as it went. And it, and the, it was a one-to-one -one translation. The things that you said turned exactly into what, um, the other person needed to know. And then sometimes there are some languages where there's a difference, right? Where there's like, for instance, in Greek, there's multiple words for the word love. There's brotherly love. There's um, uh, familial love. There's uh, erotic love. There's all there's there's different words for each of those. And so there has to be more interpretation to get the right meaning behind it. That's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about arm processors, which is the M1 processor, is a version of what's called an ARM processor, ARM, and the x86, the Intel type processor. So both of these processors 
do similar things in that they take the ones and zeros, the electrical impulses, and basically do math really, really fast and simultaneously at multiple times. And when we get to the low level of what these chips are actually doing, it is as simple as I'm moving a three to this bucket, a four to this bucket, and then this bucket over here will take the sum of those two numbers. Except we're doing it so fast that it looks like we're, you know, playing a video game or whatever it might be. The difference is, is that ARM, which is the new M1 chip, is what's called a reduced instruction set computing architecture or RISC. x86 is what we call a complex instruction set computing architecture or I say CISC. Other people might say KISC, I guess, but I've always said CISC. So we have RISC versus CISC. And when you write a program, you are not writing it in such low level stuff as I want to move ones and zeros from here to here. I'm saying um, I want to add four and three. I want to move this, this icon from here to there. So when you write that code, it goes through a process called compilation. And when you compile a program, you are telling it specifically at that moment, hey, I want to compile you to interpret to run on an x86 computer. So basically all of your Windows machines run on an x86 or 64-bit is, is a later version of, but still the same x86 CISC architecture. And um, it's been that way for for a very, very long time, in, at least in computing terms. And so it's very well understood. This is how we move numbers from here to here, and this is great. CISC has some um, advantages. Um, it has, as, it, as the name might imply, it's complex. So there are single instructions that it knows in order to do a lot of math all at one time, which is kind of handy. It makes, it, it makes some of the programming, uh, translation of the programming a little bit easier. The thing about CISC, though, the x86 architecture, is it takes a lot of power. Relatively speaking, it takes a lot of power. It also means that things can run a little warm. So this is why we have a lot of fans in computers, because once the, the juice starts flowing along the, the silicon there, well, this is what's going to create some of that heat. And so that's great. That's fine for things like you know, desktop machines or, or laptops have fans in them. We have a way of dealing with cooling, but something like an iPad, something like an iPhone, an Android phone, a small device where we don't want to put a fan in it. We need something that's going to use less power because also the batteries tend to be smaller. We want to have good battery life in our phones. So we look to a risk architecture, reduced instruction set computing or an arm type processor. So an ARM type processor basically speaks a different language than the x86, the Intel processors. It speaks um, a smaller set of instructions. And it turns out that with that smaller set of instructions, we can actually get quite a bit of power saving, which is exactly what we want, which generates less heat, which is exactly what we want. But just up until the last, let's say, five or six years, because of that reduced instruction set, because of the power saving, ARM processors could never go as fast as the x86 processors. So what we had was this very obvious dichotomy. If you wanted to run something low power, if you wanted to run something that had really good battery life and small and put in those devices, you used an ARM processor. So 
uh, everything from your phones to something like a Nintendo 3DS, small electronics, typically used ARM architecture. If you needed to build a machine that did some some beefy heavy lifting, something that was, you know, could have cooling in it, could have fans because the extra heat generated, but you really wanted that performance hit, you went x86. Well, the first thing that was attempted was the x86 crowd, Intel primarily, said, well, what if we what if we tried to scale that back and see if we could enter that mobile market? And they tried. And there was a series of processors called the Atom processors, which was a version of the x86 architecture. And it was fine. It did okay. It wasn't, it, it, it really didn't take off. ARM, however. So ARM is a semi-open uh, platform. x86 isn't. So what happens is a company can license from ARM. Well, how do you, you know, what, what is the architecture look like? Can we make changes to it? And they can. So Apple took that and figured out, well, if we add some more cores, if we do some custom stuff in here, and other companies do this too, but Apple's really pushing forward on here to get it into a mainline machine. And they started putting their custom ARM chips into first iPhones and then iPads. And we started noticing the iPads had a lot of processing power, more than we might think. And then they figured out, hey, wait a minute. We can go ahead and put these in MacBooks if we push it just a little bit further. So the newest MacBook Pros have this new ARM M1 architecture as their CPU. It's different than what the current machines do. Well, is there a problem with this? Well, well, let's say, let's first talk about the benefits. Would you like a laptop that had better battery power? Would you like a laptop that did not get as hot in your lap? The answer to both of those questions is unequivocally yes. So you can see why, why Apple is happy about this. Other things they tout is instant on because of just the nature of the processor, the way they're, they're managing the power. You open the laptop, it comes straight up, straight on, ready to be used. Much like, I mean, you could argue that phones take a while to boot up too when you turn them back on, but compare that to turning on your, your average you know, Windows machine. Yes, there's other things going on there, but still it's gonna come online much faster. Well, that's pretty cool. What are we giving up? Well, the number one thing that's being given up right now is that it's the equivalent of we've now changed the language that this Mac speaks. And so every single company that makes programs that run on a Mac has to go and build a new version eventually. And I say eventually because Mac's been through this before. Apple in the long, long ago, in the way back time, had a different architecture called PowerPC. PowerPC was actually created by IBM. Um, I don't remember the specific specifics of that architecture, but uh, it was enough that at the time PowerPC was fine, but then Apple decided we're going to move to x86 and be on the same playing field as everyone else. We wanted more power. I don't think PowerPC had quite as much power at the time. And so um, they created a piece of software called Rosetta, which... Yes, it's a little on the nose from Rosetta Stone, the idea that, oh, right, this is going to translate between the languages. So you can still run your old Apple software, your old Mac software on the new M1 MacBook Pros because Rosetta 2 is there and it will interpret the x86 commands that would normally be going to an Intel processor 
which would know how to understand those commands to then run the program, it will interpret those into ARM commands, which will then go to the new M1 processor, which lets that machine operate basically the same. Is there a speed trade-off? Apple says there's not. In reality, there's always going to be some because there has to be a level of translation. There has to be some sort of transition from one language to the other. So probably if you get a new M1, some programs are going to just look lickety split super fast. So things like Google Chrome. Google Chrome has been built for ARM for a very, very long time. This is nothing for them. Um, all the native Apple apps are going to be natively built specifically for the, uh, for the M1 processor. It knows how to talk directly to that processor. Doesn't have to go through that translation of, of Rosetta. So those will be fine. Then you start getting to some of the, some of the corner cases. So, okay, Photoshop. Well... Honestly, Adobe makes a lot of money by selling their Creative Suite software, the Photoshop, the Audition, the, the Premiere, and lots of Mac users use it. So you can pretty much expect that those will be optimized pretty, pretty quickly. But then some of these programs that you might not use very often, some random utilities, eh, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. The other thing is that, for instance, if you are a computer science student, there's a chance that in certain courses you might have to do some sort of virtualization in order to make your, your Mac run software that you would normally be able to run in another laboratory environment. And it's yet to be seen exactly how that's going to play out for some of these pieces of software, because we've come a long way since Apple made the switch from PowerPC to x86 and that initial Rosetta 1. How's it going to work with Rosetta 2? We're going to find out. But is it something that the average person should be you know, worried about? No, absolutely not. Um, is it something the average person should be super excited about? No, probably, <laughs> probably not. I mean, if you think about it, um, you are potentially going to get a laptop that doesn't run as hot and um, has a little bit better battery life. And you know what? I don't think you really necessarily care what processor is really running on the inside of there as long as it does that and it lets you do what you need to do. Because at the end of the day, you know, a good technology company, a good piece of software wants to get out of the way and let you do what you need to do, let you complete whatever jobs you're doing, whatever fun you're having without having to struggle with the actual piece of hardware sitting in front of you or the piece of software that might be standing in your way. So if you are excited about getting a new MacBook, if you're excited about these new MacBook Pros, don't look at the M1 chip and think, oh my gosh, it's not x86, it's no longer Intel. It's, it's, a, it's just a really fancy iPhone. Well, it kind of is. I mean, they are making some changes to Mac OS to really bring all of their brands under one umbrella. Um, but it, it, if, you, if you want more information on this, uh, The Verge is a excellent tech website. They will be coming out with more uh, reviews of the M1 chip and the M1 MacBook Pros, along with places like Mac, uh, Mac Rumors uh, and Engadget. So, you know, read up for yourself. But if you are in the if you are in the market for a new laptop and you are uh, interested in the Mac environment and the Mac OS environment, um, it's not something you should shy away from. You should be, you know, it's shiny new Mac. It's a it's a new MacBook. It's a new MacBook. I mean, getting to open a new computer. Oh, oh, it's just so great. And then you get to do all the setup which oddly is fun for weird people like me, but that's, you know, I guess it just kind of comes with the job. So 
there you go. Hopefully you are having a wonderful day. If you have had a, not had a chance to subscribe to the podcast, we'd love it if you do so. I promise we do actually have full episodes on occasion. You're welcome to go listen to the backpack catalog. If you go to regraderequest.com, you'll find all of the episodes there along with links to all of your favorite podcast providers where you can also find the lovely sound of my voice. Hope you're doing well. Take care, be safe, and watch for Falling Goats. Bye.